Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. We are so excited to have Nicoletta von Heidegger on the podcast today. Nicoletta is a licensed marriage and family therapist, director of the Golden Coast Sexual Health Alliance, and one of the hosts of the hit podcast, Sluts and Scholars. We are so excited. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, So do you want to kind of just introduce yourself and your work to our listeners? Yeah. So I am, as you said, recently licensed as a marriage family therapist, and a sexologist. So for those of you who don't know what that is, it's just someone who like studies sex. Um, so I will soon be able to officially call myself a sex therapist, but that's kind of what I do now. Mm-hmm. So even though my license is as marriage family therapist, my specialty focus is on issues relating to mm-hmm. sex and sexuality. So most of the clients who come see me um, are having some kind of issues or struggles that they want to address relating to something sex. <laughs> <laughs> And when I'm not doing that, I also host a podcast that Bella came on called Sluts and Scholars, um, which I'm super proud of. And it's been ongoing for almost two years now. Wow. Incredible. If any of our listeners haven't checked out Sluts and Scholars, do it right now. Like pause ours. You can come back. Yeah. And start with (laughs) Bella's episode. I love that episode, but we actually had like two adverse reactions to that episode Um, because I think, I don't know if it was before you or after you, but we kind of had a few that all address like holistic health mm. and wellness. So one was your episode, um, which was more about like sex magic and all sorts of things. And then we had someone talking about free birth um, oh, yeah. and like doula work. And so then somebody left a review and like commented and they were like, what used to be like a scholarly like research topic is now like has all these woo woo things. And like, I can't believe they would include this. And we like include a full spectrum of like all stuff, which includes like alternative holistic medicine. Um, And so like good riddance. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, that's how birth was long before. (laughs) Right. Truth. And they were like, how dare you talk about, like, natural herbs? (laughs) (laughs) Grows from the ground, what? (laughs) Disgusting. Yeah. But I think you should start with those episodes. I think they're great. (laughs) So, Nicoletta, how do you manage the dichotomy of being in such an analytical, science-based profession with your more occult or spiritual interests? (laughs) Um, You know, it's tough because I am sort of humanistic in my approach with clients in that I do share some of my own personal things as long as I think it will help the client, like not for my own use, as long as I think that it will like forward the work that they're doing. And I mean, if you look me up, obviously everyone has like some way to Google or search somebody now so they can find me, they can listen to my podcast. Um, But I try not to bring it up um, in sessions. Mm. So what's important to me is what the client is bringing in. So if they have a spirituality that's important to them or a religious practice or, um, a health and wellness thing that they use, I try to use that together with them, Mm. um, to help their work. Um, I mean, I guess it, it fits together synergistically for me because I think, the Western medicine research science practices that we use now are are newer. Mm. So it's just kind of balancing like the old with the new practice. And so 
For example, if I have a client who comes in and they're experiencing vaginal pain, um, the first thing I might do is send them to a more like Western sciencey physician to check and see like what's physically going on here. You know, is there a physical diagnosis that's happening? Um, and then after that, or maybe in conjunction with that, I may send them to someone like this lady who I love named Pam Samuelson. Love her. Um, yes, who does uh, something called <laughs> embody work. And that's a little more um, spiritual, mm. I think. Um, and just a different, I think a lot of science practitioners would frown upon um, mm. that work. <laughs> yeah. And anyone that hasn't looked up Pam should. I think her Instagram is Embodywork LA and she hosts these amazing events. We were actually talking about this right before we started recording called Take Back the Speculum. Yes. And they're so amazing. She like teaches women and how to look at their cervix. Yeah. Sorry, not just women, any like vulva owners, how to look at their own cervix. And it's so empowering and amazing. Mm. I've been to one, it was really fun. Gotta go. Yeah. A little outing. I think you just missed it, but I think she's doing the monthly at the moment. Oh, cool. Okay. In terms of my own spiritual practice, though, I mean, I think I keep it somewhat separate, but I use it more to like self-care after seeing clients. Mm. So sometimes in between clients, I'll like spray or do some kind of incense to like clear mm. the space or I'll maybe put on an essential oil diffuser uh, during a session if it doesn't bother a client or the smell doesn't bother them. I think we're taught by more like mainstream people to be like, don't smell like anything don't have any sense don't wear anything like provocative but I like I'm always wearing black so I think all my clients think I'm like goth <laughs> um I like always have my hair like wild so that, I mean they can see me a little bit but I try to focus on like what they're coming in with um I'm wondering do you have any thoughts on how some like kinkier or more unusual sexual desires and preferences tie into our general psyches like why people why am are I into so kinky? kinky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other than like Asking my natal chart, your shady already dragged me on. <laughs> what does your natal chart say? Um, so I am a Libra sun, Libra moon, Scorpio rising. So mm. the Scorpio mm. makes me like really into like the kinkier and darker, more taboo aspects. And then my Mars is in Gemini. And my Venus. I'm a is Gemini. Also what does Gemini oh, yeah. say about sexuality? Oh, yeah, I'm we a Gemini love... as well. <laughs> tell me, tell me, what do you know? I know it's different with like dirty rising talk. signs and all yeah, that. Well, Gemini's love dirty talk. I could say that that's true. Gemini's are uh, associated with the symbol of the twin. So right. for me, that's very. Uh, very real in that like I <laughs> differing personas I have, I have different personas that I love to indulge in in both like my personal life and like my sexual kind of um you know experiences but yeah I think that like Gemini's are really playful with sex and they need to be constantly stimulated and um are very uh focused on words and mm -hmm. intellectual stimulation so i think that gemini's are indeed very kinky when it comes to like you need to like fuck my mind if you want to fuck me oh i agree with that <laughs> definitely i mean i think a lot of people want to know why when they come to my office mm -hmm. like if they're struggling with a fetish or an interest they're like why how did this happen why am i interested in this mm -hmm. and i always kind of question that a little bit and like, why do people want to know why? Like, <laughs> does it matter? Mm. Um, like if you're able to find a consensual, fun way to explore that interest, does it really matter why? Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is worthwhile sometimes to, to ask questions, to be curious, to explore it. I mean, I think sexuality is such a complex web of different things. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I knew somebody who was really interested in feet. 
um, like well manicured feet, really mm-hmm. preferred like red nail polish on feet. And this was a thing that they were into. And so um, in talking and doing their work, they figured out that when they were going through puberty and having like random boners in class, um, the teacher always used to walk around when they were like taking quizzes or doing classwork and like do this with her nails mm-hmm. um, on the table. Yeah. And um, the kid would be so embarrassed, like in covering like the random class boner, which happens and like looking down and would see her feet. And she always had these open toed shoes with like nicely manicured, usually red nail polished feet. And so because during their progress into like seeing their own sexuality just happened to coincide with seeing these feet, like random boner seeing a foot, mm. they started associating this mm-hmm. with that. Wow. Interesting. So I can pretty much blame my high school girlfriend for me being such a freak. <laughs> really? I mean, maybe even before that, I think sometimes there's unconscious Early, stuff, yeah. like even if it's like something a parent said which I know can mm-hmm. feel disturbing to some people or like bouncing on your parents lap like kids figure out early that like certain things feel good <laughs> like humping pillows like yeah. for me it was the pole at the park like whatever you can find like I think these early experiences mm-hmm. and attachments do shape us mm-hmm. um so sometimes there's a why but I don't know I'm I'm more interested in helping people figure out like okay so you're interested in that can you get to a place of acceptance around it. Is there a way that you can legally and consensually express this desire? Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes in like doing the therapy work and figuring out the why, I've noticed that some people stop wanting some of the things that they want. Mm. Interesting. So I don't know if that's necessary for healing because I think some people, especially in kink, like use kink therapeutically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that can be good too as long as everyone knows what they're doing and they have someone to process it with. But like I'm yeah like I said I'm more concerned with like how can we find a consensual legal way for you to just do it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah why do you think there's such a stigma about like using kink or anything in the BDSM community to like heal through sexual trauma because I've really noticed that it's like to me however you heal is how you heal I don't know I mean it's a slippery slope because I do think there are some people who are not trained well, so like if someone's doing that work and they start getting like trauma triggered mm-hmm. and the person like mm-hmm. doming them or working with them like doesn't know what the fuck to do, mm-hmm. like that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. That may re-traumatize a person. Definitely. Um, mm-hmm. But there are therapists who will like work um, in tandem with some like a, a pro-dom mm-hmm. and like get a release <laughs> to talk to that pro-dom and like help do it in a therapeutic way. Um, and I think there's a stigma that like people who are interested in it, like must have something wrong with them. Mm. So Mm. people think like, oh, if you like to get hit, um, you must have like been hit as a child or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's not true for me. Yeah. I was like, maybe I felt left out. I didn't get spanked when I was a kid. So So now you're making up for it. Right. Yeah. It's so funny. So I'm. Seems like you're really trying to make up for it. (laughs) I'm very like involved in the Spanko community and it's a. Wait, tell me more. (laughs) So the Spanko community, uh, there's a very large group of people in the United States and in Europe too, but they, uh, we, we all gather for spanking parties and it's like weekend get togethers. How have I never heard of this? Can you invite me? Of course. There's, there's one actually very soon. Um, but I've gone to the ones in Vegas before and it's so interesting because you get all the spankos together and everyone's like, so when did you first start getting, you know, spanking or whatever? And it's so interesting to me. 
every most people have this um association with like their childhood but not all of it is like oh my parents spanked me but there's a lot of cartoons that have spanking in them Mm. my my closest friend in that community she would look up the word in the dictionary and get like really like flushed by it yeah but for me I didn't have any interest in spanking until I was like 20 so i'm the the weird one in the in the spanko world but i don't think it's weird though i like i'm saying it's so complex it can come from anywhere i think no matter how you get to being interested in something Mm -hmm. i think it's all okay yes i mean not that i'm saying that like trauma and abuse is okay Mm -hmm. i just mean like now in your present moment if you're into it you might have been into it because you made like an adult choice and we're like that Mm. looks interesting I want to try it you Mm. might be into it because maybe you did get spanked and you're trying to have like a corrective Mm. therapeutic experience you might be into it because your partner did it one day and then you were like oh that's interesting (laughs) um like there's so many reasons (laughs) why and I think they're all fine Mm. I think the same is true for um sexual orientation Mm -hmm. have you ever noticed any like similarities between certain personality types and certain like kink or BDSM (laughs) interests. Very curious about Yeah, I'm really curious. (laughs) I don't know. I can say for myself, there does seem to be a correlation with the amount of hot sauce that I like to put on stuff. So I like always want something spicier. Like I'm always looking (laughs) for like the, the better, harder spice. And so I wonder, like, oh my god, you know. guys, this is why Nicoletta is my favorite people. <laughs> does Does anyone else correlate with that? I don't know. I really enjoy spicy things. Yeah, my boyfriend. And now likes you it like spicy. getting spanked. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think they're potentially. I don't. I, I'm not quoting anything like specifically scientific, research based. But I just wonder if there is like a correlation between um, just intensity seeking behaviors, mm-hmm. like looking for mm-hmm. a certain feeling, um, and kind of ramping that up Mm. as you go like I've noticed in my personal and professional life that people that have like really overly domineering personalities are usually like not dominant they're more like submissive you know what I mean I agree with that like that was one of the ones I noticed and I was Mm. thinking like I wonder if Nicoletta like in her like professional life has like noticed any like Mm. (laughs) definitely yeah I think I've noticed even for myself that people who are more uh, controlling and dominant and like things specifically in their day-to-day life that maybe they prefer to be submissive. Um, I think there are some who are like dominant across the board, like they never want to let go of that control. Um, but then there are some like myself who are like, man, I spend all fucking day thinking about other things and other people and being detail oriented. I want a time where I don't have to think about anything and someone mm. can just take care of me yeah. and leaning more into that like submissive in the bedroom role. Mm. What, what about you guys? I'm in the same boat as you. I think for me, I I have tendencies to be very like controlling or too perfectionist about specific things in my life and exhausting yeah so I I really love the release of submission because I can just uh I don't know pass the torch along and for me I I'm a masochist and so I really love the physical sensation of pain because it releases tension for me yeah and and then you don't yeah. have to think about anything else because you're just mindfully paying attention mm. to the body feeling yes exactly yeah, that's so true. I was listening to a different podcast the other day and they were talking about that feeling of when you get like too high on shrooms and mm-hmm. how some people like like that feeling. Like they like that 
panic and anxiety. They're like, I can't control this anymore. Yeah. What? I cannot imagine liking that. You know what? I'm going to be honest. I'm one of those people that when I take shrooms, I'm like, let's get there. Like, let's fucking take it to that level, guys. Really? Yeah. I really like not being on the planet. But like, I like not being on the planet too, but not like the point. Like in this podcast, they're actually talking about meth, but saying like this. Okay. (laughs) We'll see. So it's not going to be as comparable. They were saying this like. Meth is different than true. Yeah. (laughs) Very kids. This one guy like really likes, you know, doing a lot of meth and then staring out of his peephole and feeling really paranoid. And I was like, why? What podcast is this? um, (laughs) Your mom's house. <laughs> but I was thinking, like to me, like like I've never tried meth, but like for shrooms, that feeling of like is everybody reading my mind or whatever weird paranoia I get into, I'm that for me that's not pleasurable. But they were kind of exploring the idea that maybe being that feeling of trying to hold reality together mm. so tightly, like maybe there is something relaxing in that. And like Tosco is saying, like with the pain, if you're so focused on this one thing, it's almost like meditation. Mm, yeah. I definitely view BDSM as a meditation. Yeah. Well, that's what people would call like subspace or top mm. space, mm. meaning like, yeah, it's almost like it's a meditation, meditative state where you're kind of like loopy, like it feels like a high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, consciousness and, shifted. Yeah, totally. Blissed out. Mm. Yeah, blissed yeah, out. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I just noticed we have the same uh, nose ring. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too lazy to put the bulb in. Did you put the little ball oh, in? Oh, it's in, but it's like in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks gross when it's out. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel similarly as far as I like to be in control and I'm very specific about a lot of things in my day-to-day. But then when it comes to what gets me off, it's usually submitting to someone else. And Mm -hmm. like, like, I'm a service sub, so I like to like be of service and get people to a place that they didn't expect they were getting to and that gets me off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Things like that. I like I like challenging people. Like I'm more of a brat. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that. that's the other thing. It's like sometimes I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, you're everything," and I just want to dote on you, head to toe. And then other times I'm like, "If you can't overpower me, you don't get any of this." <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm like, "You're nothing until you show me that you like deserve mm-hmm. any of my respect." Yeah, but it's never when they ask for humiliation and degradation. That's when I'm just like, "You're not worth my time. I have to go." Oh, I love, I love humiliation and degradation. Ooh, yeah, mm, put me great. in a corner and mm, nose in a corner. Yes, <laughs> everybody put Tosca in a corner. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. So, um, you know, we're right there, right? So. I'm I'm interested now because we're like getting more into like kink and like maybe the dom subspace and I'm wondering what advice you have for someone who might be trying to balance a BDSM dynamic or like get into one while also maintaining a healthy vanilla lifestyle with their main relationship. Mm, You mean like someone who has a primary partner and wants to do kink on the side? Yeah, or even if they are trying to explore a dom-sub relationship or BDSM aspect to their regular relationship, but it yeah. shifts. I mean, I think that. sometimes it, it it depends when you figure out that you like it. Like if you are single and you have figured out that you want that, I think it's important to do some therapy, have some conversations with yourself, go check out some events and figure out like how what kind of role do I want this to be in my life? And to be honest with yourself, because if you're like, I need this to be part of my relationship and my sex life, um, what are you doing trying to date a vanilla person? Mm -hmm. Unless you're poly. Like, I Mm -hmm. think um, 
it's important to sometimes date or try to find your species in that way. And that you may, you may never line up and like have all of the same kinks and all the same stuff. It's so hard to find someone who has all the same stuff, mm. but I think it's important to be key about like, are there a handful of things that I want to make sure that I find a match with? Mm. Um, in terms of if you're not like, if you're in a relationship and you figure it out, like, do you feel comfortable to talk to your partner about it? Um, and if you don't come to a sex therapist, um, if you do feel comfortable, there's some great, um, like pro dom coaches who like, they focus on like couples work. Mm -hmm. So you can go to classes together and kind of figure out what you like and have a conversation about it. Usually if it's a, if it's a good safe pro dom, they will send you a list of like things that you're interested in, like mm -hmm. a long list. And so you can decide like, um, this is something I'm for sure interested in. This is something maybe we could talk about. And this is like a hard limit, meaning like I'm not interested. Um, and I think it's, great to do that just with each other as a partnership to figure out like what do you like what do you not like what do you really not want to do um i often refer people to my friend um mistress hudsey han um oh, i think she's amazing. great yeah i think she's wonderful um there's a also miss mistress justine cross mm -hmm. um and a few people that i kind of have on my list that i would refer folks to mm -hmm. if they're interested in it um but that can be difficult because what if you figure out like part of the way through the relationship that you like something and your partner's not into it mm. has that ever happened to you guys I know it's happened to me oh for sure I mean for starters I had to get to a place where I accepted that monogamy was not my jam mm. so it definitely came after several monogamous relationships where I and in that way it's not like you'd have to make a choice you could be like maybe I have my primary partner we do this kind of sex and yeah. maybe you have your kinky partner and you do the thing that, you know, fulfills you in that way. Unless the person you're with is like, wait, what does primary mean? <laughs> what is what is this sudden hierarchy where I'm being shaken to my very insecure core? Yeah. Um, well, which has to be a working, it's a work in progress, if, if that's something that you want to really explore. But I I didn't have the fortune of finding a monogamous person who was like, you know, maybe... Maybe. And that never happened. And I was like, you know what? We'll just be friends. So once I found a poly partner, everything made more sense. And then there's was, so many ways to do non-monogamy. Like you're so saying, not everyone has a quote unquote primary partner. It's true. It's true. But being able to explore even just non-monogamy was like, yeah, yes, that was mm -hmm. a huge win in life because monogamy. Was yeah, I think there's some like like true non-monogamous who are kind of a little more staunch about their belief that like if you're non-monogamous don't try to date a monogamous person because mm. it's not going to work but I, I don't know I mean I think I think your relationship with a person can change over time so I'm not saying it's impossible to shift the relationship you may start monogamous and then for a time you may be swingers and then you may be monogamous again and then you may be poly like I think it can change and shift with a partner, there's a, um, a woman we had on our show, um, named dirty Lola and she started, um, in a monogamous marriage. Um, and then later they opened up as she realized that that was like something that was important to her. Um, and it, and it worked for a while. Like the partner was on board after some like slow progress discussions. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> those can discussion. be, those can be like a struggle though, because I know I've been in one where I'm like, mm, I'd really like to do this. Mm -hmm. And the person's like, I'm open to the conversation, but let's keep talking. And I'm like, I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. Yeah. <laughs>
I guess yeah. If you're if you're like suddenly realizing that you're a bottom, mm. and your partner is like, oh, I don't know, like you like to be choked or something like that. Mm. I don't know. Asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough though when you meet someone who like meets all the other criteria mm. I think part of us or at least this has been my experience like I would like to think that like oh maybe this other stuff can work also mm. yeah, yeah. Um, but it might not like I don't know have you ever been in one where you started in one way and then it shifted I have I've definitely experienced like dating people that are already kinky um, as opposed to dating people that are vanilla and being someone that is like open and safe that they can explore with mm -hmm. without like necessarily putting the pressure on. But I will say I do seek partners that have already like kind of a dominant energy. Mm -hmm. So I think that mm -hmm. probably was like they have it in them. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I think that was kind of made it a bit easier. Mm -hmm. Whereas I definitely have um, friends and clients that have dated someone that has more of a submissive energy, but so do they. Yeah. And I don't think. I certainly think it's cool to explore it, but I think there are some people that you, uh, if you don't have it, maybe you can't pretend. Mm -hmm. You can't put on a mask for your partner. Yeah, I think exactly. like if something really just isn't resonating for you, even though you love the other person, sometimes you just you just can't. But I I do really agree with what you said in that sexuality and our sexual desires evolve over time mm -hmm. um you know I've had certain kinks that have come and gone and I've worked through them and enjoyed them and and then you know it's or even like day to day it just exactly totally and I think that's what's so beautiful about humans is that we're we're constantly growing and changing and shifting and this journey of life and sexuality is is an ongoing one um I think it also brings up for me the struggle with thinking that one person can like serve all of your needs oh yeah oh, it's mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean there are definitely some people who are happy with their one partner for their whole lives and I think that's so beautiful but in my personal opinion or my personal preference I can't imagine one person checking off all the boxes and I don't want anyone to. <laughs> Honestly, it's such an imposition. I have so many wants and needs. If I really were to try and like get them all from one person, I would probably kill them. <laughs> it would be an accident. It would definitely be I mean, just passion. The FBI is listening yeah. now. I mean, <laughs> spontaneous combustion of love. And it doesn't mean you have to get them from different sexual partners. You mm. may be able to get them from like other friends, mm. from your family, from groups groups yeah. from you know the spanko community like mm -hmm. whatever but yeah. I think I don't know I'm, I'm definitely um a fan of some of Esther Perel's work like oh. the mating in captivity She's amazing. stuff yeah. and so I think it's tough because some of the folks that maybe I would be interested in to do any kind of kink or BDSM play with have not shown to be people that I would like a lifetime partnership with. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So what the fuck do you do with that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. do you go with the kinky person or do you go with the other stable person or do you find a way to have both? I chose both. Yeah. It's <laughs> not working for you. So far, so good. I'm doing okay. Well, plus it's so much like pressure and expectation to place on one person that mm. they could meet all your needs. They can be the best roommate, you know, the best friend, the best mm. lover, the best co-parent. That's, That's a, a lot. lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like envisioning putting all of those pressures on my partner and I wouldn't want to do that. I feel like it's a disservice to them. But sometimes we learn that we're like supposed to. Mm-hmm. So I, I know I find myself getting disappointed when a partner's not doing all of the things yeah. <laughs> that I want them to be doing. I have to like take a step back and remind myself. But it's it's frustrating because we're mm-hmm. like it's ingrained in our mind that like you're supposed to meet the one mm-hmm. and the one will do all these things and then you get disappointed when they're not, you know, meeting, like, I, I know I see a lot of clients in my office that um, every they say everything else in the relationship is great, but we have not connected sexually since the beginning. Mm. And it's like, sometimes I feel like at an impasse of like, can we work on that? Um, or is this person serving all these other needs? And maybe it just makes sense that you're not connecting sexually because you're also best friends. You're also roommates. You also do a business together. You also like, have all these other things. I think there's yeah. ways to to put in effort and still have a sexual relationship. Um, but it's hard to have all of those things be successful mm. in one relationship. Mm. So a lot of the work I do is about like exploring and examining like narratives and expectations mm. of like what people are wanting and expecting and how it's falling short. And like, is it really realistic to have all these things in the exactly the way that they want them. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting analyzing all the different forms of intimacy that we need from partners, not just one partner, but like in all relationships and how I don't think a lot of people talk about that. Like, oh, my emotional needs need to be met and also my physical needs and spiritual needs. And I just think that there's so many different types of intimacy that we can get from not just our partners as well. Definitely. Um, Or not just a like sexual or romantic partner. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious. Uh, I was really excited to have you on the show because... (laughs) Now you're not though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still so excited. I was really excited, but... I'm very excited to have you on the podcast because I, I really wanted to understand from your academic background, your, how sexuality was taught to you. Uh, because I, I kind of taught myself, uh, you know, sexuality and psychology through being involved in the BDSM community from a very young age, but I did not go to a formal college. I didn't do the university thing. How is fringe sexuality discussed in the world of academia? I would say, uh, I mean, at least in high school, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, we did have a human development class. Um, I've since been in talks with my high school cause it is in LA to see if I can come back and help them with their mm-hmm. human oh, development wow. classes. So um, cool. I'm sure they've progressed a lot now since I was there, but it was, you know, the basics of like STIs and mm-hmm. anatomy and a little bit of feelings, but not much. Um, in college, I would say that none of that was readily available unless you sought it out. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to kind of be in the field of of psychology and human sexuality when I was starting school. So I would seek out the the clubs, the groups, the you know, the work that enabled me to figure that stuff out. Mm-hmm. So like my sophomore year, I took a class um, for the Sexual Health Peer Resource Center. And so once you took the class, you could basically do peer counseling, um, which is people could come in and ask questions. You could help help them figure out STI testing. Uh, we gave away free condoms. You could buy sex toys. Um, but there wasn't a lot of talk around, like, kink and BDSM. 
um, not really at all, unless you sought it out. Now, uh, my undergrad at Stanford, they have a like a kink club. I think Cute. it's called like Cardinal Kink because <laughs> uh, Cardinal is the like unofficial or is the official mascot. The tree is the unofficial mascot. Um, and it was called Cardinal Kink. Um, I, I didn't really find that when I was there. I think mine was more like self-exploration mm. of other stuff that I would go to and check out. Um, I ended up writing a column in the newspaper my senior year. And so I had interviewed some folks about like kink and BDSM. Um, so I found it out myself. It wasn't really taught. Mm. But my graduate program at Pepperdine also did not talk about it. Mm. Um, Pepperdine's undergrad is pretty religious. The grad school isn't. Mm. Um, but even so, we had one class on human sexuality, and it was pretty uh, pretty broad. Um, in my other master's program, though, at Widener, it was fully incorporated to the point where some of our classes, we would be sitting with our classmates and our teachers um, in a big lecture hall and they would bring in um, demonstrations. So we would literally be watching someone be bent over the podium at the front, bare ass, getting spanked, like get out of time. our <laughs> teachers and colleagues. And I was like, this yes. is what I've been fucking waiting for. Amazing. That's so cool. So that was awesome. We had opportunities to like talk and see and they would have like demos and discussions and videos and personal anecdotes. Um, so at that program, it was like very apparent. Um, and we would go on outings together with classmates to like kink events and you could get like extra credit or like if you wrote about it. Um, and a lot of our classmates or even teachers would like maybe be part of that community. Um, but I mean, I don't think it's easy to find that unless you're like, this is the academic trajectory that I'm on. That was like just the coolest school experience. That's awesome. You found like the off the menu college experience. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Secret menu. I mean, I, I know I explored some of it on my own in undergrad, but it was so cool to have a class mm. where you could like watch somebody do fire play, watch somebody get flogged, watch somebody go into subspace. Like it was awesome and be like awkwardly sitting next to your teacher like is this okay <laughs> it's like ethical and allowed and it's like of course you have to learn about this to be a sex therapist mm -hmm. so i was really grateful for that hands-on ex experience see if i if i did go to college i'd want that college <laughs> well widener is open for applications get Great. there so i'm curious how did your spiritual and sexual journey intertwine for you to be honest, I don't feel like it did before. Mm. Um, but in conversations recently, I think I've been intertwining it more. More just seeing like the intensity of what sexual energy can make for people. Um, I was at dinner with some friends last night and they were talking about how they have been like mindfully masturbating while thinking about non-sexual things and using like orgasm as like energy and manifesting a goal. And my mind was fucking blown. I was like, what? Like I've never thought about something at least not sexually like adjacent, <laughs> like thinking like, oh, well, this is my career goal. Like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get off to this. And like when I come, it's going to be like, that's going to happen. And I'm putting that out in the world. Um, I, I think I could do more of it. Welcome mm -hmm. to our podcast. Hello. Hello. Tell me, give me some ideas. Yeah, I was like, I, I can... need to send you the article I wrote about that. Okay, well, will you give me some ideas of how I can like incorporate it in my maybe in my practice with clients? 
I feel like it's so tricky, like, because it's easier for me, obviously, being like an unlicensed person with my clients that I can like prescribe this. Like, I don't know if it's okay to, like, I, in my own practice with clients, try to be careful of my language. So I won't say, like, this is a sex magic ritual you can practice with yourself. (laughs) But, like, some of my clients would be like, what (laughs) magic? But, like, I'll still prescribe, like, mindful masturbation. Oh, yeah. No, I prescribe that for sure. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't call it, you know, sex magic ritual. Yeah. But it w- it's – I guess there's a science term for it. Um, I just forgot. Do you know what it's called? Where it's, like, you um, – it's a sensate focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. So I feel like sensate focus is the science definition of sex magic. Oh. <laughs> I like, I like that. Because it's all, like, mindful, graduated mm. touch that's more focused on, like – pleasure and being in the moment as opposed to like goal oriented yeah Mm. another thing that I feel like would be helpful potentially with clients is like talking about having an intention if you have partnered sex and kind of getting clear on that together before like beginning sex Mm. like what is the intention for this is it connection is it exploration yeah and I I think I do the same I don't call it intention though I would I would it would more be like challenging the the goal orientedness mm. of sex like most people are like oh you're supposed to orgasm but it's like unpacking like why else do we have sex for a connection for this mm-hmm. but i like the word intention it's funny how much translates if you just change the lingo a right. little bit exactly <laughs> words are so powerful yes. yes so if i were to share like sex magic with maybe like one of your clients what i would do is describe it as creative visualization I think that our mind is really powerful and that like what, you what want we your think sex is to look like No, 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 like what we think is what we become, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you if you tell yourself like I'm a bad person or like I I'm, you know, you'll be filled with shame. Yeah. If you Yeah, and so when you're engaging in uh self-pleasure, if you use creative visualization to envision the whatever you want to manifest or a future that you like or just a more more self-acceptance like actually visualizing what that looks like and what that feels like and what that tastes like just all of the sensations of it and to me I think like using your mind is is magic so yeah no I think I mean some folks do practice that way like somatic sex therapy is like Mm. getting in the body and talking about how things feel and visualizing it and Mm. I think it's 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 wild how many overlaps there are, but if you say magic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, people, why do like, why? I mean, you would know this better than I do, but why do people freak out about it? Because magic is just the word of the unknown, really. Mm-hmm. It fully embodies questions that fairies gleefully giggle at your <laughs> in front of you and then don't answer. You know what I mean? Like magic is all of the stuff that you're always wondering about. Mm-hmm. But because there might not be a conclusion, people are like, I can't be bothered. It's Well and I'm sure there's like misconceptions about oh, what magic sure. is. It's not totally. like, you know, we're killing animals and like doing a ritual where it's like we're gonna make this person be sick for it's like yeah. it's like about energy and intentions mm-hmm. and yeah. like adding ritual to your life which is like ritual doesn't have to be a witchy looking one but it could just be like every morning I do this yeah. before I go to work do you have any like personal sex magic practice at all um 
I think I, I have any magic practice. I think do. I have rituals. Like I, I really like after a long day of clients, I like taking baths. Mm-hmm. So I've turned like one of the bathrooms into my place into like a, a spa. Nice. So I've got like my, I've got like a um, salt lamp that changes colors and I've got my candles that I like and I've got my essential oil diffuser and I've got my body oil. And so I'll like, or my like CBD bomb or whatever. And so nice. I'll like, that's a nice ritual to like <laughs> let go of the day and relax um bath rituals are one of my favorite things. yes it's so it. good right <laughs> i can always find time for a good bath right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i try to just be mindful in the bath but sometimes i'll also put on like a show that i want to watch <laughs> and it's like yes. it's just a decompression <laughs> ritual um i think mine are not so much spiritual but i i try to like set the space you know i try to like keep the room like the bedroom clean if I'm going to be having sex in the bedroom I try to keep like the bedroom clean and like try to declutter it which is often a struggle um and to you know set the stage like wash my hands have my partner wash their hands like lay out the stuff we're gonna use um yeah and I think I like checking in before and after Mm. so I wouldn't necessarily say it's magic and I think we could all do a better job of like setting those intentions but like Mm. It doesn't even sound like setting an intention. It's just like, what do you want? What do you feel Being like doing super today? Mindful. Yeah, and then yeah. afterwards, like, how was that for you? It's like, yeah. there's yeah, gonna be ritual, like check-in rituals, right? Yeah, it's exactly what it is, right? It's just the uh, mindfully setting yourself up with what you are trying to achieve and then being in a space where you can process mm-hmm. and what you can achieve is far more than an orgasm yeah. not that orgasms aren't great but I definitely <laughs> want to try the one I was talking about and yeah. that we talked about with the like goal and not thinking about something yeah sexual. I can help you with that <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it <laughs> so you know I we're we're doing a, our final question and it's really my favorite one uh, even though all of these other ones are so great, I really want to know, after all that you've learned and all that you've studied, uh, what is something that you now know that you wish you could tell your younger self? Mm. Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Isn't it I so might, good? You might need to cut out the I was the like, wow, I totally just like, like poked a minutes. hole in the sail. But no, <laughs> this is a very good question. And I like that it's our new final question. Oh, one thing that I wish I could tell my former self that's tough because I don't wish to change anything mm. in my journey. I mean, yeah, of course, like, could I take away some of the pain and the suffering? But, like, I don't know who I would be without the journey that I was on and, Aww. like, discovering <laughs> it in the way that I did. Mm-hmm. I was lucky in that I had pretty open parents and could talk about this stuff. So there wasn't, like, a shame um, for most of my like sexual development. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I'm really lucky in that way that I don't, I think I learned what I needed to learn as it was happening. Um, I wouldn't have told myself anything different. Um, just like keep being you girl. Mm. See, but that's great. That's valuable. Keep being you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's all going to come together. That's great. Um, but I, yeah, I can't imagine. See, that's magic. Yeah, that's magic. magic. Have a little faith yeah, you know, in yourself. I mean, do I wish there would have been like better sex ed and that I would have found those resources sooner? Like maybe, but I don't know if I would have been on the journey mm. that I've been yeah. on. True. 
grateful. I'm really grateful you're on this journey. Me too. I'm learning yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, if, I, so if I had told myself something different, I wouldn't be sitting at this magic table oh. right now. Well, <laughs> blessed be. We're so grateful to have you today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thanks, thanks so, so much for having me. <laughs> yay, yay. Thank you for joining us for the Sex Magic Podcast. You can find us at sexmagicpodcast.com, on Instagram at sexmagicpodcast, or send us an email or a recorded audio clip if you'd like us to answer your question live at sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com.